0: I'm Lisa. I'm Sean.
1: And I'm going by Caleb now. If everyone could just start calling me Caleb uh, from now moving forward. And this is Watcher Harry, a podcast where three obsessive and slightly drunk friends discuss the wider Harry Potter universe. How was that? That was good. That was
2: great.
1: Yeah, I have a new name and and it. it feels good and it uh, you're you're
2: changed in my phone so that I get used to it thank yeah, you same. it's
1: the easy as soon as I so in real life I haven't told my parents yet hopefully I'll have told them by the time this episode is released so this is my ticking time bomb to tell my parents mm-hmm. but everyone else knows so we're, we're okay. doing it live
2: how is your how has your siblings been
1: awesome they're better than i am with it uh i (laughs) have just been uncle caleb now um yay i love that my nephew's two and a half and he's officially in sponge mode and so Mm. my sister's kind of like if you're gonna change your name now's like a really convenient good time
2: to do do it yeah and
1: i'm like you know what that's a great that's a great time so doing it feels good very good i love it means dog so that's so i love it in
0: in what yeah i don't know maybe
1: hebrew or something
0: you just it made means, that up. Is that no?
1: It means loyal dog. <laughs> loyal dog. I loyal mean, dog. every
2: person that I have ever met named Caleb
0: is a loyal dog.
1: I dog. That's well. Me. I yeah. mean,
0: as a Gryffindor, you are all about loyalty. loyalty and no, wait. That's Huffle. That's Hufflepuff. Hufflete. Huffle.
2: Huffle-, 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 Huffle-
1: <laughs> <laughs> we are off to an amazing start. <laughs> what's We're everyone rushing. drinking?
2: <laughs> Lisa, what's, um, what's in your mug?
1: Yeah, what's the Um,
2: alcohol? So I don't really know. I mean, I know what is in here. I don't know what it tastes like yet because it's a little too hot. Um, I had to scavenge. Um, Rumpelgans. And my friends (laughs) keep re-gifting us these really disgusting, like, shooter bottles. Mm. Um, And now we have them in our cabinet. And one of them was, like, a peach bourbon.
1: That sounds kind of good. So I put it in peach tea. That sounds amazing.
2: I don't know if it tastes good at all because it's still too hot to drink.
1: Will you try for us?
3: All
2: right. It's fine.
1: Your face looks like it sucks.
2: Yeah, your face doesn't look like it's um, fine. It doesn't suck. It just, it leaves kind of like a coating in my mouth. put I'm any not sugar like, in there? No. It's sweet enough without okay. it. Um, I'm not sure what would make it better. Maybe any other ingredient, like just one more, like yeah. mint mm. might
0: be really nice. Oh, I don't have that. Hmm. I feel so, like every episode you are just like unhappy with the
2: drink. I <laughs> think, <laughs> yeah, I think, I don't know. I, maybe it's just like, I'm, I've now gotten to the age where I'm like, I just think I don't like alcohol that much anymore. Maybe wow. that's not true. Cause I really do like beer still, I just keep not having it in the house. So every time we drink, I'm unprepared. And so I scavenge to find like crappy bottles of wine that I definitely Mm -hmm. don't want to drink. And Mm -hmm. maybe that's it. I'm just now at the age where I don't want to drink alcohol that I don't want to drink.
1: Yeah. But you're too lazy to get the kind that you want. But I'm
2: also too lazy to go buy anything ever. (laughs) Um, So um my my roommate the saint that she is does most of our grocery shopping and i just pay her money Lovely.
1: oh that's great you should put a <laughs> ring on it <laughs> marry that yeah. girl
2: I'll I'll, I'll I'll let her know she'll probably turn me down though
1: oh yeah the old straights <laughs> uh, so caleb, <laughs> caleb
0: what are what are you drinking now slash what have you been drinking all afternoon
1: <laughs> i started drinking a couple of hours ago and then I stopped drinking in the middle and I started to feel really weird. <laughs> and then so I had to start drinking again. Um, I have several kinds of beer. Uh, oh. Cape May Brewing Co. So moving back to the I area. I love Cape May. Cape May. So this is a, a coffee stout. It's delicious. I don't love a stout. But uh, the Cape May IPA is like one of the better IPAs I've ever had. It kind of just tastes like orange juice. Um, they have a couple different IPAs. And I have a Southern Tier Variety Pack. So on deck, I have two beers because we've been recording for so fucking long that I just have some beers ready to go. <laughs> um, one of them's a Session Pale Ale, and then the other one is called uh, Eight Days a Week by Southern Tier. So who knows what those taste like? How about you, Sean?
0: Um, I am drinking that chai mead that I was drinking before, and you guys made fun of me about it. Well, I'm drinking hey, it again. Did we- <laughs> I had another can. Yeah, you did. If you go back, I would make fun of anyone who's drinking
2: mead, to be honest.
0: But it's deli- it's delicious.
1: As long as you like it.
0: And I had another can of it. So, yes, yeah, so that's what I'm drinking tonight.
1: It's so- nice to drink things you like.
0: Yeah, what a novel concept. Oh, sorry, I just keep failing at it. But at least I'm drinking out of my favorite mug. That's good. What if you bought just, like, beer that you liked and that was your specific, like, recording beer and you just, oh, like, kept it in no. the fridge and, like, you just had something but- to go to.
2: Yeah, you're not wrong. That's not like a bad
1: idea. It's a great idea. It's a
2: really good idea. Hmm. I probably should do that. Hmm. Um, yeah. I just don't have any. I don't know. I just like have been so lazy about going to the store, and I almost went to the store before, but then I I I didn't. Damn.
0: I know it's a really good story. That's a great story. <laughs> Okay, before we dive into today's episode, you um, just want to give a shout out to Catherine, Mike, and Emma. Um, and you, Caleb, is that right? Is that why you put, put on, name on list? the list? put my name on the list. Hey, I'm putting myself on the I'm list. the
1: virtuous Gryffindor. Um, so.
0: uh, they all donated. Um, we asked if anyone wanted to do some donations around Christmas. They all, they all answered the call and donated. So thank you to the three of them. Um, we had donations to uh, the Trevor Project and the Attic Youth Center. So thank you to Catherine, Mike and Emma, three of our biggest fans.
1: Uh, I donated to, and I'm not doing this to virtue signal. I really just want to give the organization some airtime on our podcast. Um, so I, don- I donated to the Campaign for Southern Equality um, It's a pretty small organization um, run by some folks down in Asheville, North Carolina, who are doing awesome legal and social advocacy work for the queer community.
0: Oh, I didn't know they were based in Asheville.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, the the person who runs it is, um, we ran in loose circles with the same um, syringe exchange community. And I didn't actually know that they ran it, but just donated. Oh,
0: cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what, guys, what are we talking about today? We're talking about Ronald Weasley. Our favorite.
1: Juan Juan.
0: Ronald Weasley. So I think we're going to try, over the course of this podcast, to do a couple sort of like deep dives into characters that we particularly like or think are really interesting or just have a lot to talk about. Uh, So we're going to start with Ron Weasley because, Caleb, you've expressed multiple times the the deep affinity you feel with Ron.
1: I took it to therapy. I took I took to therapy that I am over-identifying with Ron Weasley and that I am over identifying with Steve from Sex in the City. And upon further exploration of both of these, I like myself better because these are some tender boys <laughs> these they are some are. nice boys they're thoughtful steve seems like a schmuck you know season one i spiraled season one of sex in the city because i was like i think that's me but now i'm in season five and i'm like fuck yeah that's me that's a good <laughs> guy and i own a bar so
0: Oh, yeah. Caleb has that. been watching Sex in the City reruns <laughs> for a while now. So if there just seems to be like, why are there all of a sudden so many Sex and the City references in this Harry Potter podcast? That's the that place it's coming from.
1: Why. I yeah. love it. There, if we need us, if, if I need to start a separate podcast, let me know. But I love bringing it up. Um, but yeah, I wanted to I've been carrying around this weight of relating okay. to Ron and it keeps coming up in the different episodes in a way that makes me sound really depressed. <laughs> so um, I wanted to just get ahead of it.
2: <laughs> I actually will have a counter. Um, so uh, shout out to my friend, Molly, um, who listens to our podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw her last week and she told me that listening to you identify more with Ron Weasley made mm-hmm. her realize that a character she was never super fond of is actually like a real, <gasps> Character and now she's starting to like Ron more.
1: Wow, oh. huh? So, thank you, thank you for that. What's yeah. that? Ron's a real person. I think Ron is proxy for the reader. I'm just throwing on that, throwing that out there. Oh yeah, Maybe. absolutely.
2: Ron is 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 hands down, and we've talked about this before. Ron is hands down the most relatable character of the three, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Hermione and and Harry start to become a little bit more and simultaneously less relatable I think as the books go mm-hmm. um you know I think that like she just didn't fully fledge them necessarily out as, as as characters as much as Ron was in terms of just like actually having like more of a range of emotions which I don't
0: know yeah I think Ron is able to be a really complicated character in a way that especially the other like child characters are not really allowed to be besides maybe Draco is like the only one I could think of that you could make a similar argument for I I think with Harry you obviously have like he just I mean he has the weight of the story on him and there's just only so much you can do with a character like that if you're not interested in like really really putting him through the ringer in terms of like character development. Like if you're, he's not going to go through like kind of an anti-hero phase or something like that. Like she, she was never that interested in making Harry someone that the reader, like at any point didn't like. And I think that's why we, we didn't get a lot of development with him. Um, that's why I like the fifth book so much, even though I know everyone hates Harry in the fifth book, but I think it's like I think Order of the Phoenix is the only time we get to see Harry be interesting because we get to see mm-hmm. him be like complicated and messy yeah. and like not very likable. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't have the space to be that at any other point. And Hermione is never given the space to be that, which is not something I picked up in a lot of my like initial readings being younger. But now that we are talking about Ron in this way, I am thinking about all the ways that Hermione was really underserved huh. by not getting to be a like messy unlikable character sometimes
1: yeah i will one observation from i during my breakup watched the movies over and over and over again all of the early movies hermione's delivery is just yelling it's just angry scream like one note i don't know if that's just the limitations of her acting at that time but she was really unlikable at the beginning
0: (laughs) I think that might've
1: been an, I think that was,
2: was just right. She was 11. Right. It's not, oh, okay. not, it's not entirely her fault. Um, mm-hmm. I think that, yeah, I, I completely agree. I think also, I mean, in the movies too, right. Of the three Rupert Grint is far and beyond the best of the three right away. I like, agree. like hands down, like he nailed the role. He came out like really in a way that was believable in 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 the role and i think that's what made his character in the movie both likable and unlikable in a lot of ways
3: Hmm.
2: um especially um i'm re-listening to the last book right now um and they go they just went through the whole like ron storming away and because he's hungry and it's like god there's nothing more relatable than that like as somebody who is constantly hungry what was it the second thing i said to you guys when i came on today (laughs) was that i was hungry um like i i fully get it like exacerbation by a horcrux if it makes you cranky and your friends are not being very supportive of your crankiness i get it
1: yeah um i think that I know we're going to explore the movie versus the book thing. Um, They really, they reduced that to being hangry in the movie, but I really understood it better reading the book this last time around. They do
2: lay into it as as him being hangry in the books as well. Like the amount of times that Harry's like, we get it. You're just used to your mother feeding you food. (laughs) Like he says it like five times. But like I, I, there's some other things at play here. He's like very jealous of the yeah. Ron and Harry dynamic, or yeah. her, her, the Hermione and Harry dynamic. Like, and that definitely doesn't come out except for that really, really horrible, weird animated Harry and Hermione makeout sesh.
0: But I do actually think that you know that comment where she's like, you know, yeah, you, I get it. Like your mom isn't here to cook for you or whatever. I also think that's one of the things that is the most interesting about Ron because he is allowed to be a kid like they are 17 and he is missing his family and he's scared and he's cold and he's hungry and like
1: for the first time
0: for the for the first time like like a lot of other people would be in his situation and and honestly kind of like how Harry is I mean same for Harry and Hermione. And that's why I think it's so unbelievable that they don't have those reactions, that they're so stoic and they're so mission focused. And I know we're, so we are partially told that it's because at that time, Ron is carrying the Horcrux around his neck and this particular Horcrux impacts him more than it impacts the others. But I also think it's more that like, and this goes back to like how Ron is the character who is actually the most relatable. Like that's exactly how I would be. If my stupid best friend made me wander around in the woods for weeks on end, like, yeah, I'm hungry. I'm Mm -hmm. cold. I miss my family. I'm scared. I don't know if I think Ron even says at some point, like, well, you don't have a family. Like, I don't know if any of my family is safe. I don't know if they're alive. Like, yeah, I think those were really normal reactions. And we kind of write it off in the book as like, oh, my God, Ron is being so annoying he's being so selfish like I think he was reacting appropriately Mm -hmm. oh yeah absolutely and I think that Harry
2: actually comes across as as quite unlikable in a lot of those situations where um you know Ron is is voicing his concern and voicing his his opinion and maybe not doing it in the most appropriate way but Harry doesn't respond in an appropriate way either right Mm -hmm. you know um and maybe their sentiments are are different but the the way that they're both appropriate or, or approaching it to each other is it's just two friends fighting and they're both 17 and like kids are so dumb
1: yeah like i mean and it's cool that they could even verbalize what was making them upset
2: right exactly <laughs> like in reality that's the most unrealistic thing ron would be like no i'm fine i'm fine i'm fucking fine, I'm fine. you right. need fuck alone like, fuck you man like God. Like, instead, he's like, "My arm is mangled, we've been all... I'm wet, I'm cold, I'm fucking miss my cold. mommy. I miss my family. Everyone could be dead, and I wouldn't know. Like, these are all valid concerns that he's voicing. And Harry's like, "Well, my parents are dead. You think I'm just happy about that?" And he's like, "Oh, this no, that's no one thinks that. Like
0: <laughs> I, I want to give a shout out to all, all of our our college friend, Connor Kennedy. Is he once in college wrote, (laughs) he wrote a paper that I actually thought was, I thought was a really interesting concept where he compared Ron Weasley to like Lancelot to (laughs) like Harry's King Arthur. And this idea of like, (laughs) this is this character who is like always having to play second fiddle to this, you know, apparently flawless leader who everyone loves, everyone admires. And he just ends up kind of being like, at best, the sidekick and at worst, like the bad guy. And I think to me, that's why Ron is like the most relatable character in this, because like we said, he's allowed to have flaws, but like he also is just constantly changing in a way that the other characters are not. And he's like making mistakes and then growing from those mistakes while also like being Harry Potter's best friend is probably the absolute worst. Mm -hmm. That sounds awful. First of all, he is doing a lot of shit that he does not need to be involved in. Okay, like he doesn't need to be doing any of this. Harry does because that's like his shtick. He's the chosen one. But like Ron Weasley is not. He's dealing with a lot of bullshit and he like could just be hanging out with Seamus and Dean, finding other friends in Gryffindor. Like the rest of the Weasleys are like kind of along for the ride, but not in the same way that Ron like puts himself into these situations. I wonder if he felt
1: like he, I wonder if he felt like this was his shot like at having a purpose? Like, do you think he ever felt special because of his connection with Harry? I mean,
2: I I, I don't think so. No one so. talks
1: about it and no one's ever like, oh, good job, Ron. Yeah, I, I, I
2: don't actually think so. I think that for Ron, the reason that he sticks around is because he just loves him. Like they're mm-hmm. best friends and that is why he sticks around. He grudgingly sticks around, I think, quite a bit. Um, You know, we see that in Goblet of Fire when he finally like Hermione says it's like he never says anything. He swallows it. But you always get the attention. I know you don't want it, but it's Mm -hmm. always you who gets the attention. And this is just one time too many. And even in that time when when Ron doesn't truly believe that anything is like he didn't actually put his name in the Goblet of Fire and things like that, like he's just pissed. He's like, I'm fucking done. Like, I'm fucking sick of it. And then he realizes that he misses his best friend. Yeah, I think that's just like the Goblet of Fire thing when I was a kid was annoying because I wanted just like Harry and Ron to kind of reconcile because it was dumb. It was like, God, just have a conversation. And in reality, that's not how 14 year olds are going to respond to something. You know, they don't have the bandwidth to be able to communicate effectively with each other. Uh And I think that's a more realistic response. Um, And I think it also gives us a ton of insight into just like how much Ron loved Harry and not what the world perceived Harry to be. Hmm. Yeah,
0: he was like a really grumpy Samwise. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And like Harry
2: yelled more than Frodo, who cried a lot.
0: Yeah, and I, I actually think that we don't give enough credit to like the really beautiful friendship between Ron and Harry, like more than any romantic relationship. Like that is really the relationship this book centers on.
2: Ron was the one person that Harry would be saddest to lose. <laughs> that is the sweet, like, that is so sweet. That is like, really sweet. It's really sweet. And I kind of still think, like, he would be sadder to lose Ron than Ginny.
0: I agree. Oh. I
2: think so. And I think he's,
0: like, always oh, pretty upfront about that. Yeah, I think he's
2: like, dude, your, your brother is my priority.
0: <laughs> and I think, and I... The book we're not gonna talk about, uh Cursed Child. <laughs> but I, I think where like so many readers, including me, got really mad about the like the queer baiting between whatever those two kids' names was, Harry's uh oh, Albus Cerberus and Scorpius.
1: Scorpius. Scorpius Jacob's son yeah.
0: hey. um I I think people were I think people were right to like read more into that relationship than just friendship. Like, I, I definitely felt a little bit cheated by it. But I do actually think the Ron and Harry always just feels like a really beautiful, loving friendship in a way that, like, we do not always get with male mm-hmm. characters. Yeah, you know?
2: they are just, like, very, you know, they have, like, real dimensions with each other in in a way that I think that a lot of other characters don't have. Um, and I think that is is really really nice to to mm-hmm. be able to see like a friendship that like you know isn't always the it's 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 often quite one-sided um and i think that like that's pretty realistic and it's nice that like ron and harry are able to kind of like reconcile a lot of their differences to put aside for the fact that they just love each other
1: mm-hmm. their friendship is maybe one of the only developmentally normal things in harry potter's life it's yeah. like having a good friends to goof off with and eat candy with and get in dumb trouble with for the 30 seconds between plot points that we get
2: right it's yeah. like that's and those are always the best part like ask any like I feel like ask anybody about those these types of books it's like your favorite moments are the ones when they're just sitting in the Gryffindor common room
1: mm-hmm. just or at like, the yeah. lake mm, there's at the lake
0: right and like so we you get two minutes of that and like I think one of the sort of early moments where. Ron maybe does not like get the credit that he deserves. But in uh, Sorcerer's Stone, I mean, we all make like a big deal about, you know, Harry, you know, trying to sacrifice himself at the end and like going for the stone and whatever facing Voldemort. But like before any of that happened, Ron was like, I'm coming with you. And then he was like, I'm going to get the shit beat out of me by this big chessboard, even though once again, he's an 11 year old boy who does not need to be here because he really does not have skin in this game at this point. Mm mm-hmm. And he is the first of the trio to sacrifice himself for this like larger purpose. Oh yeah.
1: I. S- okay. So regarding not having skin in the game yet and sacrificing himself, I found some stuff online about fan theories regarding Ron's clairvoyance. Wait, what did you come across any of no. that? Okay. So. Um, Folks really drew, just like drew things out of the books, like Ron's tension with Trelawney uh, around like how she's packaging, like what being a seer is and like seeing the future and all this stuff. Um, and then people go in and find examples from throughout the series where he calls things that later come to fruition. Um, one of the earlier one. Okay. So two from Chamber of Secrets that I can think of Um he calls Lockhart a hack right at the very beginning, after their first class. He, he's, he's like making fun of him and Hermione's like, but all the things that Lockhart did, and Ron's like, all the things he says he did. And then uh, the second one is, he says something about like, maybe Voldemort killed Moaning Myrtle and did everyone a favor. <laughs> And, like, he did. And so, like, Tom Riddle killed Moaning Myrtle. Um, So, like, those are... There's there's a lot more that I can't think of. But, like, Ron has uh, an intuition about him. I think he has a people sense about him. Um, He's, like... He's comic relief, but it's highly necessary in a way that diffuses tension between these hype... Can you imagine being friends with Harry and Hermione? Can you... Can you fucking imagine? There's no chill at all. There's not. Like, thank God they had Ron to like mm-hmm. anchor them back into like we're human children. <laughs> 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 we're human children. Uh,
2: yeah, I feel yeah. like if we had to like put the three of us in in one of those roles, each one like the, like put the three of us as like one of us is Harry, one of us is Hermione, one of us is Ron. I don't think it's possible because nobody is Hermione and Ron <laughs> or hi, Hermione and Harry. Like n- nobody. <laughs> like, it's just not a thing. <laughs> well, I'm a Miranda. <laughs> well,
0: I'm a <laughs> so I always okay. no, So I had I had not known that clairvoyant theory. I love it. I fully accept it. Like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's canon to me. Listen, now. is it yeah, that's canon. just <laughs> trauma?
2: Wait, what'd you say? Is is it intuition or just trauma? All of
1: it. (laughs) They're the same.
0: Caleb, I am curious because you have always been very vocal about, like, feeling Mm -hmm. like Ron at at Mm -hmm. times to a degree that is, like, very worrying to you. Yeah. Um, And I, if you don't mind sharing, like, I would love to know, like, what are, what are those aspects that, like, you found to to be, like, so connecting?
1: Honestly, just movie Ron, and low self-esteem. The Perfect Storm (laughs) is thinking that, just, I I don't know. I think um, I'm a very feeling person. He's a very feeling person. I'm the youngest of my siblings. He's second to youngest of his siblings. And like, when you grow up in a pack, a troop of people, um, it's kind of like, I think it becomes of your nature to, defer to other people, to not like want to take the spotlight, to not take the lead, to just sort of have like um, a worldliness and an understanding um, and a humility. So I've always really related to that in him um, because he never wants to be in the spotlight ever. He just wants to like get by with a passing grade. Um, And book Ron it's it's really hard. I conflate book and movie Ron. They're completely different characters, which I think we should get into. But um, and that would probably support this conversation. But yeah, in the movie, he's just he's a fucking idiot. So I think I relate to the good things about Ron that I just mentioned. But then he also is dragged through the mud. And I linked a, a YouTube clip. Um. And I don't know how we could watch it together, but I wanted to capture your reactions to it in real time here. Because I think it's like quintessential how the films treat Ron like a fucking moron. Uh, Okay, so like under on, on page one of our outline, the YouTube link. Sean, do you know if it's possible to watch it and hear it?
2: Yeah, you can just do a, a good old screen share and connect the audio. Do, do, do. do, you, I do you guys know if like league I don't know if like legally we can play. It I don't know life. if legally we can do. We that. can
1: just narrate it, but I just want you guys to see it. Maybe let's just watch it and then we can say what happens.
2: Yeah, and I think okay. that's the move, and we can tell people to watch. So it. So
1: let me okay. intro. Let me just cue it up like we're on like a talk show. Uh, so the scene, um, we're at the bottle of bottle, the battle of Hogwarts. And it's Hermione and Ron, and they have the Marauders map, and they're looking for Harry. And uh, let's watch it, and then we'll there. Okay. It. That was it. Okay,
0: hey, <laughs> so you watch
1: it. <laughs>
0: so do you do you want to just kind of like explain what what we just like specifically what we just watched?
1: Yes, so. Uh Ron and Hermione have the Marauder's Map. They are uh, it's during the Battle of Hogwarts. They pull up the map and <laughs> understandably there are hundreds of people in Hogwarts right now and Ron is like, bloody hell uh, we're never gonna find him. And <laughs> so And He opens the map and he's like, we're never gonna find him and Hermione just points and goes, there he is right there. And whoever like created the visual for the movie, made Harry's name like three inches wide. Like, like it makes Ron look like a fucking idiot. And I just, I think that captures exactly how they portray him, which is not who he is. And
0: I think like, so if you go like a little bit farther in that scene, basically Hermione's like, Oh, Harry Harry like disappears from the map. And Ron's like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I bet he went to the room of requirements. Like that doesn't show up on the map. Mm -hmm. And she's like, that's right. And he's like, yeah, you told you told me last year. And she literally looks at him like a dog that suddenly started walking on his hind legs. She gives him like, like
1: a little granola bar.
0: Yeah, like, <laughs> oh my God, I can't on. believe my idiot boyfriend remembered this crucial piece of information. Right, yeah, no,
2: they definitely, and I think they take a lot of, do we want to start getting into like how how Movie Ron kind of got done dirty? Mm. I think, and I think this is one of the, the pivotal, uh, I think the Battle of Hogwarts is one of the times that... I, you truly see how less um, sensitive Ron is in mm-hmm. a lot of ways, um, or I, I, I guess that's wrong. Um, you see less of why Hermione would be in, attracted to Ron, um, because the the whole scene in the movie where Hermione and Ron kiss, they're like in the throes of a weird situation in the Chamber of Secrets, and it's like they kiss in the chamber because they're just like overcome with whatever you know mm-hmm. um but in the books the reason that hermione like takes that moment to kiss
0: ron is because he says holy shit oh wait can i read it i have i have the quote. Yeah. oh great beautiful it, it's, it's my favorite ron moment and actually i'll put a link to it in the show notes because i wrote an article for bustle about how much oh. i hate it the hair the ron hermione kiss in the movie and how i think it like undermined their entire relationship i completely agree amazing i love that um okay so the quote is so it's in the battle of hogwarts chapter of deathly hollows uh quote hang on a moment said ron sharply we've forgotten someone who asked hermione the house ofs they'll be all down in the kitchen won't they you mean we ought to get them fighting asked harry (laughs) fucking idiot (laughs) (laughs) um no, Ron said, seriously, I mean, we should tell him to get out. We don't want any more Dobbies, do we? We can't order them to die for us. There was a clatter as the basilisk fangs cas- cascaded out of Hermione's arms. Running at Ron, she flung them around his neck and kissed him full in the mouth. Ron threw away the fangs and broomstick he was holding and responded with such enthusiasm that he lifted Hermione off of her feet. First of all, uh- fuck Harry Potter you you to have get them to fight for us <laughs> should we give them guns <laughs> you, you use your two hands to bury your best house elf friend and now in this situation you're like yeah should we like be arming them like get them order them up they gotta listen to us like let's put them to work oh uh, so yeah. sounds good yeah. but it
2: is it's just such a beautiful moment between where ron it's like it turns out after all of this time ron has just been absorbing all of the wants and needs of Hermione mm-hmm. and like it comes out in that moment where she's like oh fuck
1: you were listening you
2: were listening this whole fucking time you're an idiot but i love you like yeah.
0: he, he just like i don't know he grows so much like i yeah. i think he's a better hero than harry if we are like mapping Ooh, a like a shit. hero's journey like i i think he's a better hero because harry starts so high and he like never really dips or anytime he dips it's like because the circumstance got really hard it's never like Mm -hmm. harry made a mistake it's like harry was maybe dumb but he always did the noble thing and sometimes that wasn't the right thing but you're never like harry made a bad decision Mm -hmm. based on bad like motives or feelings yeah like like it's never a flaw in his character that this thing went wrong Mm -hmm. i think with ron like we're following him making like actual mistakes that are his fault because of like some character trait that is not developed yet, or like an immaturity or insecurity or whatever. And then when you get to this point at the end of the books, like, especially that moment, you're like, oh, you, like you said, Lisa, like you've been absorbing this, like you've been learning and you've been growing. And now like you made the right, choice on an impulse like you didn't even think about it like your instinct was to do good and like Harry's instinct wasn't even to do good Harry was like yeah like get get those fuckers up here we got Harry's
1: just like uh, Harry's whole thing is the cause
0: in in Harry's defense I'm gonna give
2: him one um, we need to have a house health episode I've been thinking about them a lot lately Um, they would solve all the problems they're so magical it's like they have so much power and they're so magical and they're so undermined but you can't. But
1: then you give him an inch, Lisa. Yeah, whatever <laughs> He's thinking, like a general. bow to our
2: house elf overlords. I'm fine with this.
0: But okay, um. so all right, so I I also think I think that's one of the the worst book to movie changes. Mm-hmm. I mean, just in general, yeah. not only like specifically about Ron,
3: mm-hmm. but
0: I think one of the problems with how the movies portray Ron and like I do. I think this is Rupert Grint's fault but it's not his fault. Like I think it's because he was so good and he played he was su- he had such amazing like comedic instincts for someone so young that I think mm-hmm. they got really lazy with Ron and they were like, "Oh, this kid is like really funny and has good instinct for this and like he can be kind of like goofy and dumb and so we're just going to make him do that." Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, even um did you guys watch the um the reunion? I did not watch the, oh, you didn't, Mm -hmm. Lisa, did you? Of course. Okay. So um, there's this bit and Sean, you might've just seen it online or whatever, but um, where the director of the third movies was different, not Chris Columbus, the next one. Oh,
0: Alfonso Coron, whatever.
1: He had the kids. Yeah. He had the three kids write an essay about uh, their characters, like their motivations, blah, blah, blah. Hermione or Emma wrote like a 10-page thing, Harry wrote like a two-page thing, and then Rupert Grant didn't do it because he said Ron wouldn't do it. And it's like, I kind of think that that captures the cop-out of Ron's film character, because I think... Book Ron would have done would something have made shitty. An effort. He would have asked Hermione to do it for him. Um, but
2: it would have gotten done.
1: That something would have been turned in because you're not going to be the youngest kid and not if Molly Weasley's your mom, you're not going to not hand your homework in. No, that exactly. bitch sends howlers.
2: Yeah, and I think the second. I think the second movie because in the first movie he's got like you know he he's got kind of some silly quirky things, but he's still intelligent in the way that like all 11 year olds are. Um, But no, it's just like in a way that like uh, all the 11 year olds are like, you know, as smart as they possibly can be. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but the second movie I think is what really drills it in is they take a lot of his lines and Mm -hmm. give them to Hermione.
3: Yeah.
2: So a lot of his, a lot of the 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 intelligent things that he's talking about um Emma says instead um and it's and Ron and Rupert is just meant to stand in the background going Mm -hmm. you know with that like kind of scrunched up like
1: do you remember the things I have some of the things down
2: no I don't remember them off the top of my head I just remember (laughs) always watching that movie and going that's not a Hermione's line that's Ron's line
1: so even taking it back to uh, *Sorcerer's Stone*, um, the the troll in the dungeon scene, um, in the movie Hermione has to yell to Ron, swish and flick to, to you know, get the club yeah. in the air. But in the book, Ron mm-hmm. thinks of it on his own. So mm-hmm. just little tiny things like that that it, it over you know oversimplifying the character archetype for the viewer, um, and then. Um, Prisoner of Azkaban. Uh, There's the scene in the Shrieking Shack where um, they think Sirius is about to kill them or whatever. Ron's leg is broken. Uh, In the book, Ron stands up to Sirius and says uh, twice, you'll have to kill me first to get to Harry. Whereas in the movie, Hermione comes in and says, if you want to kill Harry, you'll have to kill us too. While Ron is just like cowering in the background. So it's like they did that probably a lot in, a, in many more ways throughout the series that we don't even notice.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think like, besides just making him seem a lot less intelligent in the movie. I mean, we talked about Ron being a complicated character in the books. He can be quite cruel a lot in a way that a lot of our other like quote unquote good characters are not. Um, we don't like see the impulse to like lash out and hurt others from I guess we see it a little bit of in Harry in Order of the Phoenix, but that's very quickly like tossed away is like, well, that wasn't Harry. That was like mm-hmm. cracks in Harry. That was Voldemort. Right. Um, and in a way that like Hermione doesn't. And mm-hmm. and there is like one of the things that is can be really frustrating about Ron is that he can be very cruel to his mm-hmm. friends. He says terrible things to Hermione. He's awful. I mean, as much as like we might have sympathy for him during those early days of the tri tournament, he says terrible things about. Harry and he is not there to be with his friend during a time that is very very scary to him.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Luna's like the, yeah, Luna's one of the first people to point that out. Where he's like, Ron can say very funny things sometimes, but he can also be so quite cruel. I noticed that when we were hanging out last year, and that's like one of the lines that that got translated from the books to the movies like identically. Hmm. Um, and I just don't really see it as much in the movies. Like she, she says it and it just kind of almost doesn't fit where it's like, ah, uh, like they don't really give Ron enough in the movies to like
3: mm-hmm.
2: have any kind of like sympathy for his character or like just kind of anything to yeah to go off of. But I think movie,
0: when, she se- when she says it in the book, you're like,
2: yeah. 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 She's like right. That, you nailed mm-hmm. that right on the head.
1: Yeah. Um, movie Ron Seems to translate to stage Ron pretty well, which is guy who likes snacks and is married to a powerful person. I (laughs) hope
2: one day I will also be a guy who likes snacks who's married to a powerful person.
1: Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) You got this. (laughs) Me too.
2: (laughs) Find me a Hermione.
0: So
1: Hermione, no.
0: So the male
1: version. Sorry,
0: I don't know. If you guys had known this but we uh we almost lost Ron. Ron was almost killed off. Um, okay, I did not know this. Can you explain this to me yeah, more? Yeah, so I'm going to I'm going to read you the quote. There is a 2011 Guardian piece. Um, and and actually from I remember this like when I guess around this time when she mm-hmm. made this comment. Um, but basically she talks about how at some point she had contemplated getting rid of one of the the trio. So the quote was from JK funnily enough I planned from the start that none of them would die then midway through which I think is a reflection of the fact that I wasn't in a very happy place I started thinking I might polish one of them off out of sheer spite there now you definitely can't have him anymore but I think in my absolute heart of heart of hearts although I did seriously consider killing Ron I wouldn't have done it um but that was apparently a thought process she went through at some time and I'm curious how what you guys think about that how you think it would have changed the series I know we all are like very fond of Ron, but whether you think that would have been a good creative choice or not. God, I think if they had done it, it would have just been like a let's add more
2: tragedy to Harry's life for the sake of adding more tragedy to Harry's life. And I'm really glad she didn't kill him
1: off. Yeah. And I think it, to me, would have seemed like he was sort of lackluster for a reason, like a throwaway kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And it would have martyred him. And I think that he his value is in contributing to the humanity of the series. And so martyring him would have been kind of like, we we just, we didn't need that. Uh, I don't think it would have improved on, I don't know. I don't think it would have improved on anything. No, I agree. As a writer though, Sean, what do you think?
0: So I, so I'm actually really glad that this all came out before, the kind of like HBO Game of Thrones phenomena, um, mm-hmm. because I so there there's a podcast that I really like called Binge Mode, and they do a season on Harry Potter, which is phenomenal. They do a season on Game of Thrones, and th- when they talk about Game of Thrones, um, they like use this phrase and they call it "fuck me up Game of Thrones," and it's basically <laughs> how like we as viewers got kind of addicted to this idea of like losing a main character. No one is safe,
3: mm-hmm. and that no
0: one is safe, and how that like obviously Game of Thrones like takes that to an extreme level. And that was part of like the addictive quality of the show. Like not knowing if a character you loved was going to make it. Mm -hmm. And I am actually kind of afraid that if the Harry Potter books had been being written during that kind of like fuck me up Game of Thrones atmosphere, she would have gotten rid of Ron. um, Because obviously like the easiest way to like one, like generate buzz amongst your readers and two, to sort of like artificially insert some sort of big emotional response is to just kill someone off like yeah. your work is done for you right and I don't I mean we obviously lose a ton of people in throughout the series that are like very important and their deaths are like terrible and were super impactful you know I'm sure reading it now but especially growing up like as a kid mm-hmm. watching you know these parental figures die or these like classmates die or whatever. And I think that there is like probably an argument to be made that like killing off Ron or Hermione would have been an interesting like plot development or would have been an interesting choice. But I think it I think it would be a choice I could get behind if this was a book for adults, but it's mm-hmm. not. It's a book for kids. And so yeah. I I think that it would have. It would have been a little too dark
3: Mm -hmm, to kill Ron. And I
0: think it's okay to not push the envelope that much when, like, your primary readership is, you know, 12 to 15 year olds. Yeah. And it's
1: already Nazis. Like, exactly.
2: The objective is not to shock and awe, you know, the objective Mm -hmm. is to, like,
0: teach about love and friendship. Mm -hmm. You know, like, (laughs) and I think, like, Game of Thrones really did kind of mess us up like culturally with this idea that like, Oh, a show should be exciting because I should be worried about like the character. I love dying. And that, Mm -hmm. that like, shouldn't be the fallback as a storyteller. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: I didn't even watch game of Thrones and I don't want to, uh, but I know what the red wedding is like just from the cultural impact of it.
0: And and they're huge. I, I am not like a huge game of Thrones fans. I've watched the show. I've read the books. I I do think they like overkill it with how many of their characters they get oh, rid of. Oh, at after, a certain
2: point, they just start killing them all.
0: It, you know what? It feels like in the beginning of Deathly Hollows, where you're just like Mad Eye's dead, Hedwig's dead, like George <laughs> is injured, and you're like, oh my god, can I have a minute?
2: Yeah, right. yeah, and I and I and I think that's the thing, right? Like J.K. didn't necessarily shy away from that, right? Like she kills Cedric off in the fourth book. she kills off Dumbledore she kills off you know some pretty big characters and like it granted Cedric wasn't a big character but it was still a big surprise um
1: of innocence right there
2: yeah um and like I feel like she definitely didn't shy away from it but I think it would have been a mistake to kill off one of the one of the trio and I think that like one of the reasons people loved the book so much was that there's there was enough happiness and love and support that it kept it going. Um, And like at a certain point, like just writing more trauma into this kid's life is not character development. It's just a
0: slaughter. Yeah. I I completely agree.
1: Agreed. Should we talk about Hermione and Ron?
0: Please. Okay. So before we do like what were you guys Hermione Ron shippers or were you Harry Hermione shippers?
1: Well, you all know that I thought Hermione and Harry were going to adopt me when I was 10. your (laughs) parents. Right, yes. You thought, or I thought they were my parents. Um, None. None of them. Yeah, I think
2: I was none of them. Platonic
1: ship. No ship. Okay.
2: I think I started to recognize it in the fifth book before that. Like, I don't. They're like re-reading them as an adult. Like, there's definitely like the 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 droppings, I guess. Throughout. Droppings.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Just a
2: little like little little little, little little pooplets. Yeah. Um, just like dropped throughout of of it, but I feel like she didn't really ramp it up until like the fifth
3: mm-hmm. book,
2: really. Yeah. Um, which also makes sense because
0: they're like fifteen. Um, just, I guess I, the
2: fourth book. Yeah,
0: I um, I was a. I was a strong Ron Hermione shipper. Like, Mm, because this was, remember, this was the time of like MuggleNet and Leaky Cauldron and like all the fan sites. Mm -hmm. So leading up to probably the six books, I think the six books is when like the lines are drawn, like Harry's with Ginny, Mm -hmm. um, Hermione's with Ron. But like leading up to six books, it was like a very, very like aggressive fandom clash between your like Harry Hermione shippers and your Ron Hermione Shippers. Yeah. Um oh my God. And I wish I could remember there. Oh, uh there was like very kind of famously like Ron Hermione Shippers would call Harry Hermione Shippers like delusional. And like I remember <laughs> that like specific word like that became like a like a real like buzzword.
1: Yeah. Or like Harry delusional. Hermione Shippers.
0: Um so it was, I mean, it was what a time to be alive in yeah. the times of Harry Potter meshes. You were
1: me. on the front lines of that thing.
0: I was I was, I was in those trenches. Like, what was yeah, your I feel like I never
2: <laughs> I feel like I never really subscribed to like any any of the shippings that much. Like I, I think I was just like fine with it as the story went along. Like I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, okay, Ron and Hermione. Yeah, okay, cool, yeah. great. Um, like Harry and Hermione never were a thing for me. In mm-hmm. terms of, like, I wanted that to, to happen. Um, yeah, I feel like I never really had any kind of big ship. Yeah. You know, like, I'm trying to even rack my
0: brains of, like, if, is there any couple that I that I was ever... Neville and to,
1: Luna. Like...
0: Yeah, I was... Yeah. Oh, my God. The, that can be... A, that'll have to be another episode, because I could talk for an hour and a yes. half about how how dirty... They did my boy Neville not getting him <laughs> together with Luna, his clear soulmate. I know. Whatever, we'll talk about that right now. Uh, i gonna get too good, uh... but um, okay. But so obviously Ron ends up with Hermione, and in the years since the last book, I've definitely been a lot of people have gone back and been like, I don't think he was good enough for her. Like, mm. I don't, and I think especially um, again with Curse Child, like the you know show the kind of issues in their relationship there's like mm-hmm. that terrible alternate universe where ron ends up with who is it is it padma patel i don't know I, no, no I don't know why i'm tell- i'm asking you this he ends up with somebody else and like hermione is just like this bitter old like lonely woman and it's awful
2: oh like in oh oh what is it it's the best in uh a, a wonderful it's a wonderful life because I've never read Cursed Child and I'm never going to but I can relate to it's a wonderful life when um George wishes that he's never been born and they go back to his wife and she's just an old librarian spinster yeah that's like pretty much exactly what it is except for Hermione. it's like women without their men
0: will Always be spinsters. yeah Hermione's just like this like mean power hungry old bitch like <laughs> what the fuck for, like, first of all like
1: su- he's been an activist the whole time and then like go ahead, i
0: Cy. i support ron hermione but no one can tell me that like hermione's life would go down the shitter if it wasn't for ron weasley like, i that's think really not true. That's- i
1: think she would have like studied abroad and found some like hot young thing somewhere you mean else like a hot
0: like a hot bulgarian quidditch no, I think he, she, she, never,
1: perhaps,
0: she wouldn't
2: get perhaps. with victor crumb she had been there done that
1: Maybe if maybe like a neighbor farmer, she wants to fix her upper is all I'm saying.
0: She does want to fix her upper. Yeah. When oh, you mean the beautiful like English country cottage, the, mm-hmm. the charmingly derelict cottage that she buys in your like fan fiction about Hermione's life without Ron.
1: No, it's Victor Crumb's farm neighbor. I love whole thing. so
0: much actually more involved than I thought it was. Oh, oh no, God. this just
1: happened right. now This is real time imagination.
0: Great. We're 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 seeing
2: Caleb <laughs> write fan fiction in real time.
1: I love fan fiction, and I'm not sorry. <laughs> and I'm gonna open a third beer now.
0: Did you guys know though that J.K. Rowling does not ship Ron oh, and Hermione anymore? I just bitch. actively
2: don't care what J.K. has to say anymore. Ugh. She just keeps telling us stupid
0: things. So this came out. in <laughs> So this is a variety article from 2014. So far past the point when she should be talking about Harry Potter any longer, because at this point, <laughs> get a
1: fucking life, get a dude. Life. Yeah,
0: no so, can you imagine? Says still the podcasters
1: talking? at thirty. <laughs> can you imagine what a
0: fucking loser is still talking about Harry Potter? God, you're embarrassing J.K. Rowling. You're embarrassing yourself.
1: Seriously, Regardless. we're embarrassing everyone.
0: So she basically made this statement where she was like, I don't think if I was writing books now, I don't think Ron and Hermione would get together. Um, She says "Uh, the article says predicting her fans responses. She added, quote, I know I'm sorry. I can hear the rage and fury of my cause some fans. But if I'm absolutely honest, distance has given me perspective on that. It was a choice I made for very personal reasons, not for reasons of credibility. Am I breaking people's hearts by saying this? I hope not. Um, I think there are fans out there who know, uh, I think there are fans out there who know that too and who wonder whether Ron would have really been able to make her happy, all right? First of all, these are fucking fictional characters. So like he would have made oh, her yeah. happy because it's a goddamn fantasy world. And like, there, it's like no, I don't think anyone's like, well, actually he would have been like an abusive alcoholic later in life. You wouldn't say that because this is like a children's story. So also, I don't know. Of- evidence of that. No, are I'm calling us out right is, now. Like
2: a lovely person. No, like, don't his- call us out.
1: I'm calling us out no, right do now. That. No, don't do it. Because we're the people who are like, <laughs> he couldn't have made her happy in this fantasy world. That wouldn't happen.
0: <laughs> but, um, I don't I don't really like the way you're attacking us, right? She's
1: like, <laughs> I'm just being self-aware at this point. She's, she's the ex who texts you three years later about some shit. Right, like, like remember that argument that we had about ago. the
2: trash? It turns yeah. out I was right. They don't pick up on Tuesday. She
1: needs to move on. <laughs> but we don't
2: no, yeah, we don't. she needs
1: to move on. No, I'm serious. She like, needs
2: to move on
0: because the fans have asked her to stop
1: building the world. You turf. Well, piece of and shit.
0: she says that Hermione would have been happier with Harry Potter, which like, I don't agree with. I think that would have been the most mm. boring relationship ever because neither of them yeah. are that interesting
1: their pillow talk would just be about all the things they'd already done together. Like they need a crisis.
0: Also the
2: seventh book is like big evidence for how little Harry and Hermione have in common. Like they, when Ron leaves, they don't fucking talk to each other for like weeks on end. And granted it's because a lot of it is because they're stressed out as all fucking sin. Yeah. But also at the same time, they do nothing. Like they they don't they don't talk to each other. The only time they get excited is when they start planning their trip to Godrick Godric's Hollow to go see a snake woman. So and so the there, same like, thing happens.
0: The same thing happens in Goblet of Fire. When Ron and Harry are fighting. Oh, and yeah. Kids, and he's like,
2: bored as fuck hanging out with Hermione in the library. Yeah.
0: He makes some sort of comment where he was like, you know, like Hermione's great, but like there's a lot more hanging out in the library when Hermione's your best friend. It's like, just say you don't like her that much.
2: Right. Yeah. yeah he literally says in the book, he's like, he started getting excited to see Phineas May jealous when he came to visit in his portrait because it was just other company.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, there was no That's bullshit. That. <laughs> like they had the sibling vibe.
2: Yeah, they were just siblings. They loved each other very, very much. Like, but that was it.
1: Was there ever a turning point? Aside from like the obvious, like, goblet of fire, like, what were the earliest seeds of this attraction? Was it just the tension?
0: I think it was, if I, I'm trying to like put myself back in my 12-year-old mind when I was like, they're in love. Um, (laughs) I, I think it was, I mean, the books always like even the early books before, you know, when they were kind of young and we weren't doing like an explicitly romantic thing between them.
3: Mm-hmm. Like
0: the two of them were always pitted against each other in a way that Harry and Hermione were not. Um mm-hmm. where so you have in like the third book, um, oh well, you have like how upset Ron is when Hermione gets petrified in the second ones, like he's the one who's right. going to the hospital, like the hospital wing to see her. And yeah, you know, in the third book with the the scabbers, crookshank things like. All of their fights were so extreme that you were just kind of like, "Ooh, they got a little... Well, oh, they want they thing going love on." Love it yeah. when the
2: relationship
0: starts out toxic. It wasn't toxic. <laughs> they just had strong feelings in a way. That's that not Hermione, how it works. Harry and Hermione never had any strong feelings <laughs> for each other.
1: Yeah, that's true. Or strong Her feelings Jimmy, for that matter doesn't
0: mean
2: fighting all the time, team. <laughs> but they didn't fight all the time. I'm not unsaying. I'm not saying that Hermione and Ron were were bad necessarily bad. Just say you
0: agree with J.K. Rowling. Just say it. Go ahead, Lisa. That's what. That's the vibe I'm getting from you.
1: Just say that you agree with J.K. Just
2: imagine that snippet just going out of context. Just like pulled out and spliced it. It's awful
1: PR for us. I agree Listen. with JK Rowling about everything. <laughs> <laughs>
0: we need to get better at optics, you guys. Um <laughs> I was gonna actually just save it in case someone you ever really looking. made us mad and feel like, well, look at this well, look damning at this clip I then. have of Lisa.
2: <laughs> <laughs> For your
1: birthday, Lisa. We're gonna uh <laughs>
2: That's gonna be it. Oh god, turning thirty one this year.
1: Ooh. Yeah, me in less than a month. Wait, Sean, are you thirty-one? Yeah, I'm yeah. already
0: there. It's fine. It's whatever.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, but you're married. You're thriving. I think we're about to go off the rails with this. <laughs>
2: <episode>. <laughs> I have now. Well, I'm like a, a drink and a half in, and I haven't
0: had alcohol in a while. So,
1: yeah, nice.
0: I right, do. We have any final thoughts
1: about on Ron? Ron Weasley? It's so funny because I thought I had way more to say about Ron. I thought I. I I mean, we've
0: talked for, you've had a lot to say about Ron. We've talked for quite some time.
1: We have talked for quite some time. I think I'm ready to accept myself as I am to accept Ron.
0: Hmm, I love (laughs) that.
1: I think Ron is tender, and I think he's underestimated- And I think he is the glue of this trio. And I think that that's hard to recognize, um, especially as he's disserviced in the movies. Like, he doesn't get due credit for what he contributes and how important levity is. It's a children's story, and he brings a ton of levity. And I think... If you were to ask Ron, he would also probably have a really shit self-concept. Um, but I bet his funeral would be popping with like people talking about him. You know what I mean? And that's kind of a shame. So I'm officially a fan of Ron. I'm hating on him, even though it's easy and funny to hate on him.
0: I think I appreciate Ron a lot more as an adult than I did as a kid, like reading the books for the first time. I think mm-hmm. looking back, you know, at the age of 31, knowing that he was, you know, 11 to 17 when we were reading him, um, I think he is a much more interesting, complicated and ultimately sympathetic character than I kind of absorbed at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely big agree. I think that like there were definitely moments
2: where like the way that Ron was acting or the way that like people like he responded to people would like piss me off when I was reading it as a kid because it was like, oh, that's just like so why would you be like that? And it's like now as an adult, it's like, oh, yeah, super reasonable response to things, you know, <laughs> and I think that like if you don't relate to Ron in any kind of way, you're not a good person (laughs) shit
1: that's a hard line
2: I think (laughs) it's more like I think you're not being honest you're just not being honest with yourself and that's like you're just like your self-awareness is very low on that
0: I I think as a kid you like want it to see yourself in Hermione or Harry Mm. and then as an adult you see yourself in Ron and I think that's like because you've grown up and know more about yourself and are more accepting about like your own flaws
1: It's kind of, I would compare it to like when you're young and you meet someone who's like a really stand-up person and you're like, well, I don't want to date them, but I'd want to marry them. (laughs) Like maybe now we're like at the wrong point of our lives where we're like, wow, that's a fully formed human who has great character and a great family and I'd want to marry them.
0: (laughs) And someone that you can like aspire to be where even as like a kid or even now, you're like, I'm not going to be a Harry Potter. Like I'm not Mm -hmm. this like mythical chosen one. I'm Mm -hmm. also not a Hermione who like was not really written with many flaws. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? But you're like, but I might be a Ron, which means that like I can make a lot of mistakes and I can do things that are shitty and not always be the best person. But I can also like ultimately grow from those and make heroic choices without having, you know, those extra steps of like being this like almost like, holy hero
1: yeah
2: yeah i think yeah. on is is definitely one of the characters where you know we you actually get to see what his like desire is in the mirror of eric said when he's a child and that would change when he was an adult you know like as oh, an adult that's such
0: a good point
2: you know like when he's a kid you know he sees just being better than his brothers mm-hmm. and he sees him like oh like being able to like stand out amongst over people, which is such a shame because his best friend is Harry Potter and he'll never be the spotlight, he'll never be the star, which I think is where he's he, you know, very relatably takes the back seat. Um, and just because he just doesn't necessarily feel that he's able to, there's no point in trying harder because there's no there's no point.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's super relatable. Um, um and but clairvoyant Ron, does he not
1: become <laughs> a prefect?
0: Does he not win the hogwarts? Does right, he not win he
1: the he does, he does all get that all of shit. those
2: things. And I think that, um, you know, if you, if you were to check wow. him back in the mirror after, you know, he would just see his friends and family safe and happy. Like it's
1: yeah. You know what? Okay. I feel like I don't mean to launch some on another 20 minute thing, but like,
2: but I still got alcohol.
1: If you take those external markers of success and happiness that Ron saw in the mirror and then he achieved those things it's like they don't really match it's like they match ron's like they're just external markers but i think something that really doesn't sit right with the fandom about ron is like that doesn't really align with who he seems to be like being becoming the prefect Like he's like begrudgingly performing the role and he gets it and it's cool that he has it, but it doesn't seem to actually feel good. Like we don't actually get to see Ron feel good with anything. I don't know.
0: Well, I remember those were like his, that's what he saw in the mirror of Erised when he was 11. Yeah. And Lisa, I love that. I think that's actually like the perfect way of thinking of Ron Weasley and his growth where like
3: Mm -hmm.
0: Harry saw, his family. And I mean, obviously like you're talking about a character that has a ton of trauma and like continues holding that trauma throughout the entire books. So at, you know, the end of the the books, right before he, you know, dies for the first time, once again, he's surrounded by his family, like that wish never changes. Like that deep Mm -hmm. desire does I'm not saying he doesn't grow up. That's obviously not what that implies, but like, but those like that kind of internal system, like remains the same for him. Whereas Ron sees, like you said, these sort of shallow external factors of success, which make total sense based on like his age and also like his life experience, Mm -hmm. the way he has been treated both at Hogwarts and like within his family. But I think if you were to put him in front of that, like you said, Lisa in the, the seventh book, like he would see something dramatically Different. And that's why I think he's one of the best characters.
1: What do you think he would see?
0: I think like you, I think Lisa, I think you said it like he would, I think he would just see the people that he loved safe. Like, I don't think he would would see himself alone. Hmm. Mm -hmm. I think
2: he'd just be be able to see the people that he loves. He's probably
1: such a good dad. He's definitely a good dad. dad. He's a
2: really good dad. Oh,
1: You know
0: who's not a good dad? According to Curse Child, Harry Potter.
1: Oh. Well, okay,
0: let's not talk about that crap book.
1: We don't see that. <laughs> we
0: Don't talk about book it. that
1: must not be spoken about. I have one last parting thought about Ron. Yeah. And I didn't know where to work this in, but I think that Ron is the kid in class who the only thing he says at the end of the semester is, "The mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell." <laughs> yeah, I mean, we I think see he's that. that kid as a person. He's like that's like his one like like. He like wins the contest by saying the mitochondria. The limit is, does oh, not exist. Yeah, exactly. Like that's to me, that's Ron. Yeah. <laughs> In a nutshell.
2: No, I big agree. I think that like, yeah, I think that everybody knows a Ron Weasley. Everybody is a little Ron Weasley. Yeah. Like Ron Weasley. Ron Weasley. Here's to Ron Weasley. Cool. Bye. All right. Thanks for this wild ride of uh, listening to us talk about Ron for uh, two hours. Um so thanks for listening. Um you can follow us on Instagram at Watcher Harry Pod. Um your, you can
0: also at, at Watcher Harry Podcast.
1: Watcher Harry Podcast.
0: Our email, I believe, is Watcher Harry Pod. But we don't check that. So please, please don't email us.
1: Please don't email us.
0: I, my New Year's resolution very briefly was to check the email and then I couldn't remember what our password was, <laughs> so I did not fulfill that New Year's resolution. We have 25 emails. Wait, what?
2: And they're all from Podbean. Oh, that's fine.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and Joe Follari. Sponsored Filari. by Podbean.
0: Wait, we so we have one fan mail? Yeah,
2: well, it was just from Joe.
0: Well, it's
1: Joe, Joe is still
0: a, Joe Filari is still a fan? Yes, I know. I'm just
1: saying
2: we, we've left him in the inbox for Oh my god, that's so embarrassing. Since August. Oh my what god. Did I'm, you say,
0: Joe, I'm so sorry. Sorry, Joe.
1: We're going to do a Joe episode. I'm
0: we'll going to have, have a whole episode about Joe. I, I will text you a personal apology because I do actually feel pretty bad about this one.
1: Can we put this on can this make the episode? Yeah, this was
0: no, this is gonna make the cut. Joe, thank you for Joe, your support. Fan. I'm you. so sorry.
1: What's the subject of the email?
2: Um, there's several.
1: Oh, oh, Joe. He's, I'm he's, so
2: sorry. He's emailed us one, two, three, four, five, six six, seven.
1: Well, now this is not the them, way we should be making treating them our look, fans. We're making them look weird But he now.
0: sent us some really cool art. Ugh. Maybe Joe should be our first guest oh, on the Joe.
1: pod.
2: He sent us some art and some sexy Cho Chang art. Um, nice. And um, some memes. Um, Harry potato and the Deathly Peeler. It's pretty <gasps> fucking funny. That's amazing. Uh, uh, yeah, these are all pretty great.
1: To our number one fan, Joe. To our fillari. number one, to
0: Joe, fan. Joe. To Joe Filari. Yay.
1: Yay! Thanks for joining us, everybody.
0: All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Bye. I love
1: you. <laughs> the
0: Watcher Harry podcast is hosted by me, Sean Fitzpatrick, Lisa Moen, and Caleb Kelleher. Our editing is done by me, Sean Fitzpatrick, and our theme music is Dance Macaw Busy Strings by Kevin MacLeod at incompetech.com. It's licensed under Creative Commons by attribution 3.0 license.